Welcome to another episode of the Big J and Little J Show. I'm your host, Jordan Mann, and with me as always is Connor O'Neill. Connor, the first episode of this season where we're going to be discussing Duke basketball. So if I say Duke football, when I'm talking, correct me, because I know I'm a slip up. I know I am, but Duke is officially 1-0, uh, 92-54 to 54 win against Dartmouth. And they covered the spread, easy cover for Duke, for anybody that loves Vegas as much as I do. But I didn't know if you how much you caught the game, but what are your thoughts after Duke started 1-0? I was there, uh, and I stayed out on press row until the last. About this. I'm an idiot. I sat, out, I sat out on press row until I think the last media timeout, which came a little bit more than four minutes left in the game. Um, wow, you left, you left early, you son of a gun. There's inside baseball there that, you know, getting out of the press row at Cameron is a lot easier to do when you're the only one trying to leave it as opposed to when fan, when the students are reaching over you to high five players who are coming past you and you're getting crunched into the table. And it's easier this year and last year because the students aren't standing on the ground behind us. They're on the first row of the bleachers, which gives us a little more breathing room. That is that is good, but you sound like an old head Any, before the trap. Anyway, a, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, my head is old because it's been elbowed and elbowed so many times. Um, no, it's, it's a good opener. I, I I've been referring to it as a soft opener. Um, anybody familiar with the Ocean's uh, movie franchises? I, that's where I picked it up from. I'm sure it's used other elsewhere, but there's a line in there about like. There's a soft opening and then, but you're not open. You are open, but you're not open. And then there's an opening and that's the grand opening. But it's, it's already open. It's because they had a soft, like that was the soft open. Yeah. Um, not calling Dartmouth soft, uh, any big green that happened to be listening, but. I will. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah. it was, a, it was a good game one to get out of the way to see what you've got um, to showcase a little versatility you kind of needed to showcase um, because of Mark Mitchell's Mark Mitchell's injury, um, but you know you you take that to look at what Duke can do when they put Kyle Filipowski on the court surrounded by four guards. That was yeah. a fun little lineup that I don't think will only be seen in Game One. Like that's something John can go back to if he needs to. I'm sure, he doesn't want to, but but it's there. Um. Yeah, and uh, good game one routine uh, showed a little bit of a lot of things, and now it gets real in a hurry. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the starting five. Obviously, uh, with Mitchell being out, must be like an Elko thing, day to day, listed as day to day, and we'll just see when he's ready to play. But that's it's also the the what cracked me up is Duke announces it's a lower body injury, and then Shire just comes into the press conference and tells us he's got a sprained ankle. So I, I would never fault a coach who wants to give us more details than we're initially given. Yeah, and so telling us it's <clears throat> telling us it's a sprained ankle means that you know we're we're looking at him i looked at him all night he didn't have a walking boot on he didn't have any crutches like he looked normal and that's a good sign to me it means that you know it's not a matter of weeks it's a matter of days type of injury and i i think i would hedge toward him playing against arizona now 
the, the, there's another press conference on Thursday at 1245. And I think I can fill in the blanks of what John will say. Um, they're going to evaluate him. He's done this or that on the court in the last two days of practices. And we just need to see how it responds. But um, based on the no walking boot, that's the big, that's the big thing to me. Um, and talking to people around Duke, it, it sounded a lot more precautionary than it did uh, alarming yeah. when you're when you're asking people about it. So I, I don't think it's going to be too long before we see Mark play. I mean, speaking of uh, that, speaking of a sophomore returning, Kyle Filipowski, two hit uh, two hit flip, twenty five points on ten and twelve, seven rebounds. I mean, he looked like he looks the part, obviously for Duke, and Duke wants him to be the part. All these preseason awards that he's. He's on all these lists. He looked really good game one, and he was kind of – it's kind of crazy. He was second on the team in minutes – or uh, third on the team in minutes. Roach had 31, and then Caleb Foster had 29 off the bench. So that kind of goes to show that, like, just because you start doesn't necessarily mean you're going to play as many minutes because McCain only played 15 minutes as a starter. and he was in foul trouble. Right. But Caleb Foster came off the bench, 15 off the bench – I like those. I like Duke chances. If you got a guy coming off the bench and giving you fifteen, yeah, and and beyond that, I I like Duke's chances when you're bringing off a six five guard who can play on or off the ball. Correct. Uh, that that's what Caleb Foster gives you, and that's valuable. Um, I know they're freshmen, but Jared McCain and Caleb Foster are pretty mature for their ages. Um. They both they're, the game come to them like they're not when they're on the court they're not sped up and that's pretty yeah. impressive to be eighteen years old and come right in and not be sped up by the game. Yeah, that uh, that speaks to their grassroots and their high school teams. Um, you kind of you knew Caleb was going to be like that playing two years at Oak Hill, right? And then doing last year out in California, uh, Jared I think played for a pretty high level high school team out in California. Um. Yeah, they're they're going to be special, and it only helps the fact that they've got a sophomore point guard who is really freaking good in Tyrese Proctor, and a senior guard. Um, the the Quinn Cook comparisons are going to probably get old this season, but I just keep coming back to it. Like Jeremy Roach makes all of the smart plays on the court. Like every every play he makes, it just feels like wow, that's that's an experienced guard who makes winning plays and that's, that's so valuable. I mean, it, when, you know, it's arguable the last time Duke had a player like that was the last time Duke won a national championship. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. Obviously their offensive games and their personalities are a little different. Quinn Cook was always like a little more outspoken and was a leader being vocal and Roach's game is more around the rim where Quinn Cook could shoot the three, like, he was normal to shoot a three ball more than uh, Jeremy Roche, but I do like your, I do like the comparison because a senior point guard that's been through it at Duke. I mean, Roche is from freshman year. He was pretty good as freshman year, but then makes that jump to a sophomore year. Junior year was productive. Now his senior year, and he's looking to make that huge step as a team leader. I mean, he had 14 points, seven eleven from the field, and. What I love about Jeremy Roach's game, and I tweeted about it, like I love his mid-range game. Like so much, 
the one thing I hate about basketball now is the analytics of it's threes and layups. That's how you get your shots. I know that's how uh, Alabama's that's how Alabama's ran. They want layups around the rim or three point jumpers. They do not believe in mid range game. And Jeremy Roach's bread and butter is the mid range because that creates his opportunities around the rim. And then if they sag off, he can pull up from three. So Jeremy Roach is a three level score for Duke, and it showed all three phases against Dartmouth. Yeah, I uh, I hate the comparison, but because <laughs> we're both baseball fans, right? Have you ever known a lefty who throws under ninety miles an hour to be called anything other than crafty? No, that's a great. Yeah. Point. I, I think of Jeremy Roach as a crafty lefty, and it's kind of uh, disrespectful because he's he's better than like uh, the one I always go to is Jamie Moyer. Because that was kind of my like formative years. Jamie Moyer was this old lefty for the Mariners who never could retire because uh, he just kept winning like twelve to fifteen games every year. I think of Jeremy Roach as he's he's just he's smarter than your average college guard. Um, he knows how to get to his spots against better defender or whoever you think is a good defender. He's able to get to his spots against them. Um, it's just it's it's so valuable. And then if you want to make another cross sport reference, I reference I, I look at it as um you know when Mike Elko is going into the game against Notre Dame and he's talking about how experienced Sam Hartman is, he says, you know, you're not going to be able to surprise him. You're not going to be able to throw coverages out him that he hasn't seen before. Jeremy Roach has seen basically everything that he can see in it as a college basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't track the rotations well enough, but it felt like when Dartmouth went to that little three, two junk zone there about halfway through the first half, John made sure Jeremy was on the court because Jeremy has seen how many times do you think Jeremy's seen zone defense and seen a three, two in, in the last three years. Um, Just getting, getting that type of presence on your team is so valuable. And that's why, that's why he's here. Um, That's, that's the role. And to go off of that, the zone busters, uh, Duke doesn't just have one shooter now. Like, I know Dariq Whitehead was the guy last year for Duke to just the knockdown three-point shooter consistently. But Proctor looks like he stepped into that role. I mean, he hit five or six. I think he hit five in the first half against UNC Pembroke in the scrimmage. He was two for four against Dartmouth. Like, his his shot has always looked pretty. It's just been off. But you can tell he's put the reps in in the gym this offseason, and it just looks smoother coming out of his hand. And I'm expecting him. He shot 38% from the field last year as a freshman. I think he shoots in the 40, mid-40s this year from the field. And if he can shoot high 30s for Duke with McCain shooting around 40, and then you got Flip shooting threes, and then Roche can hit one or two a game like he tries to do. He was 0 for 2 against Dartmouth, but he hits one or two on top of that then you're looking at the old Duke teams of like the Luke Kennards and the Grayson Allens where they're just spreading you out and then they're getting to the rim or hitting threes. Yeah, it's confidence for Tyrese. Like his shooting in the first third of last year was terrible. Yeah. Um, I don't I, I'm so far removed from looking it up. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. But his season basically came in thirds. In his first third, he was awful. His second third is when Jeremy was dealing with a toe injury. He got moved to on the ball instead of playing off the ball. So he took on that responsibility, and then over the over the last third is where he really picked up, and that's where that's where it's gathered all the momentum into 
everybody talking to him as if he's going to be a top 10 pick, which I'm not disputing that. I uh, just like the way he closed the season. And there were two parts of the way he closed the season. Number one was his shooting in his offense and playing point guard for a team that was playing as well as anybody in the country down the stretch. And number two was how much better of an on-ball defender he got. And you see that that's why he was on, uh, I think it was Cornish, Ryan Cornish, I think was the name of Dartmouth's good guard that uh, was the ginger that everybody was calling Ron Weasley. I appreciated that chant from the crazies. Took me about eight seconds to figure out what they were saying, but uh, at least it wasn't any Tyler Lewis confusion. Uh, oh Good callback, Connor. Start, yeah, callback. I was there that night. I'll never forget it. I've, um, asked, I've asked Tyler what was said. He just laughed. At, he just laughed. He never told me the real story. So that was the closest I ever got was for closure was last year. I worked with Phenom Hoops. Like, Tyler, what was said? And he just laughed. And I was like, well, yeah. Doesn't help. The, cl- the closure is uh, past your bedtime instead of how's your grandma. Yeah. Anyway, um, Proctor's on-ball defense was great over the last like 15 games last season. Uh, the game that I always think of is Sir Quavion Smith came into Cameron blowing everybody up, and all of a sudden they put Tyrese Proctor on him, and he had like four points or five points, and one of Three of them came on a three when it was like a 12-point game with a minute left. He just got completely taken out of the game by Proctor. So that's – and you're going to see that again. Um, you're going to see uh, Tyrese Proctor. He's either going to be matched up against another guard for Arizona who reclassed and played last year and was a little overwhelmed at times with Kylan Boswell, or you're going to see him on an old friend. Who's that old that, friend, Connor? I'm drawing a blank. I am dreading so much that I have to watch that guy play basketball in person again. I love the fact that I get to cover this game. Like I am so looking forward to covering a top 15 game in Cameron in the first week of the season. Like this is great. And Jeff Goodman doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's a sourpuss, but (laughs) man, I can't believe I have to watch. I was so close to being finished and rid of Caleb love playing basketball. He was going to go to Michigan Michigan's probably going to make the NIT this year. I don't have to worry about any NCAA tournament matchup. And he somehow winds up at Arizona with a November 10th date with Duke. It's meant to be for you, Connor, but I had to break the news to you. As you've known, the last couple of Duke football games I've missed due to weddings, I'm missing Friday against Arizona because I'm going to a wedding. And I think this – I have less friends. I know. I think this was planned – Guys getting married was a manager under Roy Williams at UNC. So I know that this might have been planned. So I could not watch the Duke and Arizona game. That's what I've told him. But we're all going, I think we're going to the Duke Carolina game Saturday. So that'll be fun. But okay. That's where that's where he gets me back. He's like, You're gonna miss Duke Arizona basketball, but we're gonna go to Duke <laughs> UNC football. I was like, all right, I'm back in. But yeah, he knows what's more important to you. Yeah, and I asked him about Caleb Love, any thoughts, and he said no comment. So <laughs> I'm trying to get to the nitty-gritty of this whole thing, and it's not working. But the one thing Duke does have this year that I think makes them so dangerous is their guard play. Uh, we already talked about it, but, I mean, seriously, four guards that legit at any moment can take over the game. And, I mean, Jared McCain, what I loved first was the – I forgot who got the rebound. It was a pitch ahead and one more pitch ahead to McCain in transition, just no – not even thinking, just catch and shoot three with like 28 seconds on the shot clock. That's 
I love that shit. Like as a shooter, I love that shit. And he shot that with so much confidence. And that just makes, that takes Duke to the next level, to another level. And I know uh, people are already upset with minutes game one after a 40 point win. And so we're going to address this Connor, because I want to know your thoughts. Sean Storr played nine minutes, TJ power, eight minutes, both five-star guys. Ryan Young played 20 minutes. People are not happy that Sean Stewart only played nine minutes. Ryan Young played 20. My point to Ryan is, which you'll probably touch base on, is he's the best post passer that Duke has. Whether it's post to post to flip. I mean, he had three assists and a couple were beautiful passes off of offensive rebounds, by the way. Duke had yeah. five offensive rebounds. Ryan Young had three of them. And he does that, and he has soft hands. Like, he – he does so well creating space to be such a below the rim player. I, I just think he's so valuable in Duke's offense. I know what the liability is on defense, and I'm here to listen to the complaints about defensively. That's fine. But when you're Duke and you're putting up 92 points, Ryan Young has to be a contributor there in some aspect. He had two points, but you got to look at the way he plays the game of basketball and appreciate why Duke's so efficient on offense. Yeah, my, I go to something John actually said about Jalen Blakes is um, I think the direct quote from John was he has he's built up so much trust with me. And that's kind of the same thing John said over the last over the first two to two and a half months last season before Derek really got healthy and he played Jalen Blakes a ton because Jalen Blakes has earned when, when John goes to Jalen Blakes and Ryan Young, he knows what he's getting, and that's so valuable to him. And it was even more valuable last year when he had a team that he had not seen on the court at all together in games. Like, nobody on that team was, was had any kind of experience. But it's still valuable to him. Like, he's he's still a second-year coach. He's got one ACC championship. He's He's got, what is it, 37 games under his belt now. He replaced a guy that coached, what was it, about 1300 1400 games in his life john's got 37 of them yeah like it's valuable for john to know that if he plugs ryan young into his starting lineup kyle filipowski goes to the four and plays the position that he played all year last year he knows he's going to get some gritty dirty rebounds i'm not calling him a dirty player just doing the dirty work type shit that doesn't get noticed and doesn't get put on the highlight reels other than when you're breaking it down on Twitter, but that's valuable to John. And mm -hmm. it's valuable to John to know that if he puts Jalen Blake's in there. He's going to play his ass off. He's going to get a bunch of deflections because he's got a six, eight wingspan and he's just active as hell. So those guys are going to play and they, that might change in January and February when Sean Stewart and TJ power know their roles a little better. And when they're able to kind of assimilate into the speed of the college game. But right now, like John is showing you, he's he's going to ease them into things. He's not going to put them in situations that are too much, uh, too early. And shit, if he's not going to put them into situations like that against Dartmouth, what do you think he's going to do in the next two games? Yeah, and Coach Shire does such a good job of, the the plays that Duke runs under Shire, like K obviously kind of got away. Like he'd run a play every now and then, but 
when you got dudes like he had with Zion and Reddish and them and Barrett, like you're not going to run sets really. You're just like, go hoop. And every now and then we'll run a set. But Coach Shire does such a good job of just sharing the looks. Like every every set play, Duke's strength as an offense is the two-man game. I've I told JJ on Locked on Blue Devils this. I've said it on Twitter. I'm telling everybody that's listening now, when – any of the four guards have it in a pick and roll situation or pick and pop, just watch the reads, watch what they do with the ball and what they do after they give the ball up. It's special. Like they just have the court awareness and Shire knows that and he's going to play to their strengths. And uh, another guy that played, he got off the bench early that Duke fans wanted to see because he didn't play against USC Pembroke is Christian Reeves came off the bench, got 12 minutes for Duke. What did you see out of big Christian Reeves? I saw a little bit of rim protection. Uh, I I think he's still coming along. Uh, yeah. that's, that's the easiest, that's the easiest way I can put it. I, I think the biggest thing we learned about Christian Reeves on Monday night was John telling us afterward that he's played great in practice, that he's earned those minutes off the bench because of how he's played in practice. So if John's telling us that about him on that side of things – like I just said, there's confidence in him being able to put it together and become a viable option at the five when Duke needs him this year. Do you think that's also with him being say with that being said about Christian Reeves, he's earned those minutes, same with Jalen Blakes, and same like you said, Ryan Young. Same could be said that he's not said while Sean Stewart and TJ Power only played single digit minutes, is they still have to show some consistency in practice. Or we both know they're talented yeah. players, but you gotta you got to do it five on five, Duke versus Duke. It doesn't matter about Dartmouth. You're not playing Dartmouth in the ACC. You got to hold your own, Duke versus Duke. And I guess in, until you prove that consistently, then your minutes will increase. Yeah, that's. I mean, every every single coach in the country will tell you that minutes are earned in practice. I think Steve Forbes has like literally yelled that at me and yelled it at his team when a practice that I've been at. Um, yeah, it's. You, you don't earn your you can't earn your minutes going out there in warmups or you can't earn your minutes getting a good five star rating from rivals and that stuff like no you you earn your minutes when you go into a program and start practicing and uh yeah the inverse is certainly true that you know it's nothing against TJ Powers or Sean Stewart like they're the power or powers powers uh, with an S. I confused myself already. Or power with no S. Sorry, TJ yeah, Power. TJ Power. My bad. I that's what I'm thinking of Austin Powers. That's where I'm messing up. So I'm yeah. definitely I'm definitely screwing that up in the next story that I write. But <laughs> thank you. Um no, you you earn your minutes in practice. And those guys, it's not saying that they're gonna be on the bench at every game this year. Like they could still have large roles. Um I know it's fans kind of role and job to overreact but in this instance it's just like look do you, do you trust John Shire to know what's best for his team and trust him to plug in the guys that have shown him they can actually do it in games then that's what he's gonna do now I wonder though as we've talked about the minutes and stuff if moving towards Arizona if we see him go to Christian Reeves a little bit quick, like um, more frequently, he played 12 minutes, but at the end of the day, Ryan Young gets undersized and 
Arizona has that big center Ballo who's seven foot yeah. two sixty and is a monster. And you don't want Flip guarding him because that's just asking for foul trouble for Flip early in a game that you can't have. So I wonder if, as we've just said this and saying like, hey, you're going to get minutes by playing well in practice. Like, you know what? We need Sean Storch athleticism and Christian Reeves length against this big man for Arizona. Yeah, that's uh, one of the main things I want to see when I get to the camera and on Friday is who's doing the game, uh, which refs they are, because I would imagine it's going to be a pretty high level crew for this game. Um, I believe it will be ACC refs, which give a little bit of advantage to Duke. It's always good to have refs that you know their names and know that they've seen you play before. Um, but yeah, it's uh, and then the first few minutes of this game, like is Kyle Filipowski or Ryan Young going to be able to draw a couple fouls on Omar Ballo? And is it Ballo or Bayo? I only well, it's B A L L O. So Ballo is how I pronounce it. I only know I only have to know how to spell it. Um, You're correct, and I'm yeah. the one that sounds like an idiot every time I mispronounce a word. That's why it took me five and a half years to graduate college. <laughs> um. But, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting if they can draw some fouls and see if they can get his minutes limited a little bit. Um, I think they've got another seven foot two guy behind him that played a ton against Morgan State. Uh, yeah, uh, Krivis is what I'm going with on the last name. Not even going to attempt to announce that first name. You don't, they, you don't want any part, part of that one? No, but their bench, I'm just going to be like, hey, they got three guys off the bench that scored double figures against Morgan State. I'm not even going to try and pronounce them. Just not even going to try to. <laughs> if you're listening, you can pull up the box score yourself. The guy had 12, 11, and 10. <laughs> That's all yeah, I had. Eight double-digit scorers might be the most I've seen for anybody. Well, they scored 122 points, so they definitely love to score quickly. And yeah. out of those 122 points, your favorite player scored 12 of them on three of eight shooting and two of six from three. So, and I've already I've already gotten written into the preview that. Uh, you know, he's he's been on the extremes against Duke. Like, he had great games his freshman year against Duke. He had an awful game at the Smith Center in his sophomore year and then scored a combined 50 in the last two games against K. Um, he had the most iconic last- shot in Duke-UNC history, which is yep. just it's the most Caleb Love thing. Like, to sum up Caleb Love is this. It's the biggest shot in a rivalry history, and the team that he shot it for doesn't want him, and so he had to transfer. That yeah. and that's sad. That sucks for him. Like I'm pulling for the kid, but that is crazy to think about. Like, it's Austin Rivers lived in Duke galore for a decade for hitting a shot against UNC, and that team lost in the first round of the play or in March Madness. And people were like, Austin Rivers is an icon because he beat UNC. Forget about yeah. us losing to Lehigh. He hit against UNC. Well, Lehigh, the, Lehigh did have the best player on the court. Yeah, I mean, they did. I mean, high, obviously hindsight 2020. CJ McCollum, good God. I watched that the other day. Just seeing him one-on-one with Josh Harrison was just – that was just not fair. That was uncalled for. But what are uh, – as we wrap up, Connor, we got about five minutes left. What are your keys for Duke here to beat a very talented Arizona team? I think a lot of this game comes down to – it's the strength on strength of this is Arizona makes shots. Like they were third in the country last year in effective field goal percentage, uh, 56% 
for those on effective field goal percentage is field goal percentage, but it weights three pointers a little heavier, a little heavier. So it it's a good stat to use. Um, they were at like sixty three point two percent in game one. Of course, when you score one hundred twenty two points, you're probably shooting a pretty high effective field goal percentage. Made twelve of twenty seven threes in the opener. Um, the strength on strength is Duke makes you miss shots. Like a lot of it last year was Derek Lively made people miss shots because he's just so big and so, so much of an elite shot blocker in the middle. Duke made Dartmouth miss shots too. Like other than the guy who got off for 23 points, Dartmouth was eight for 37 from the field. Um, I think their e field goal percentage was something in the like 37% with, with everybody involved. So a lot of this is going to come down to what type of shots Duke makes Arizona take and whether Arizona is able to take the shots they're used to getting and making or if they're missing. And, you know, how many times have you heard a coach say, I always think of it as a Roy Williams quote, but, you know, the, the ball looks better when the it all looks better when the ball goes in. Yeah. It's like, is, is the ball going to go in for Arizona is kind of what I look at first. And I really think it teeters off of uh, Caleb Love in some sort of way because uh, we've both seen it that when he's hot, he's locked in. But when he's missing, he you got to attack him defensively because his head's just not in it and he's going to be lazy on defense reaching, try and get a quick one to go the other way. You just got to attack him if you're Duke, if he starts off cold. And I think – go ahead, Connor. How many shots does he take in the first two minutes? Oh, five. Oh, I was going to say three. I, I mean, obviously, that would be a lot of quick shots, but I'm exaggerating some. I'd say before the 17-minute <laughs> mark, so give me two minutes and 59 seconds, five shots. Five okay. shots. But, um, I'm saying three. Duke is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. That that line is kind of – I don't know. I feel like it could be like a, th- like a three-point favorite spot, but five-and-a-half seems kind of steep. But Ken, Ken Palm says it, three. Yeah, I would – go more Ken Palm there. And uh, there's nothing against Duke. It's just it's so early in the season. And you don't want to win a national championship in November. Like, I love Duke blowing out Kentucky. It was very iconic with Zion and them. But we didn't win the – we didn't go to the Final Four that year, and that hurt. And I'll never I'll never be okay after that. But I think Duke does win this game. Even if Flip has a mediocre game – Let's just say Flip has an off game. I told you that I'm so confident in Duke's guard play to lead them in the game, lead them to wins when Flip has an off night. If one of the guards has an off night, I still think Duke's okay because you got three more of them. So that's what I'm going with. I think I think Proctor and Roach, I really think Proctor is going to show up and put the nation on notice that he is the best point guard in the country. That is my take. So I, I, it's it's pretty easy to see it happening. I I'm interested to see Kylan Boswell for, for Arizona. That's the guy who reclassed and joined early, and he did not have as good a year as Ty- Tyrese Proctor did last year, but he also didn't need to have as good of a year. I don't think he was a starter for them. He played behind Kirk Carissa. Um, That's the matchup that I want to see because he led Arizona with 18 points in the opener, I think four of six on threes. Well, I am looking forward to this matchup, Connor, and I appreciate you hopping on. We knocked out two episodes in one day, baby, so – go for us grinding but 
I can't wait to talk about this game uh, next week as we'll preview the next game for Duke, and hopefully Duke will be 2-0 and heading into the next week. So, Connor, I appreciate you as always, man. Thank you. Thank you.